going to recast. This is our first recast of a Metacast. Recast. What happened, Josh? Well, somebody was doing a little editing in Uh-oh. GarageBand and may have had a snafu. A snafu? A snafu. Uh, and lost one of our Metacasts. Lost? Lost. A Metacast? It's in the ether somewhere. It's in the can. I tried. Ooh, yeah, in the can. <laughs> right. It was just... It was frustrated, Josh, for about an hour trying to figure out what I did wrong. But lesson learned, onward and upward, and now I... Well, so the first Metacast the last time was retrospectives. Mm -hmm. So did you retrospect? I did have a lot of (laughs) retrospection on my mistakes, without a doubt. So, but lesson What are we going to talk about? The bright, shiny topic of today is, in this cloudy atmosphere in Raleigh, is what, Josh? (laughs) It is. The meteor that's <laughs> ri- the sun that is rising in the east or whatever. My goodness. Everybody put your boots on today. Estimation, baby. <laughs> yes, We're going to talk about esti- a- agile, agile estimation, any estimation. Any estimation. Any estimation. But with an agile skew, right? An agile slant. Uh, we couldn't sure. come, on. come on, we bring an we agile. We might slant. throw an agile flavor in there. A flavor? Like a lime in your water. A lime. Ah. Yeah. Like a a garnish. Like a little garnish. Okay. So So we are going to tackle estimation. We kicked it off with, is it a fallacy to push for better estimation? I've been in lots of places where some of my objectives even for me and my team were to improve our estimation accuracy. And over time I've been thinking about, is that really possible or is the only real solution estimating smaller items that can you really become better at estimating items like is there a process where it's just over time you become a journeyman estimator and through honing your craft you become this master estimator i think so i mean um so this is going to be a twist from the one we lost the other day because I'm thinking of playing a devil's advocate a little bit. <laughs> I don't know why. It's the loud hair spread in, in the room. But I think it's a fair request, Josh. And there is a bit, there's a bit of devil's advocate here, but a bit of not, a bit of, a bit of truth. But, I mean, last time I checked, it's called software what? Engineering. Can I say that? Can I say engineering? Please do. Okay, so it's software engineering. So it's an engineering discipline. Uh, so there should be some science to it. There should be some knowns to it. Uh, you should be able to, like when someone engineers a bridge, I hope the heck they what? They have weight targets and they can say this bridge handles 10,000 pounds of concurrent weight, right? It's, it's, they've been building bridges forever. So, they have. How long so, have we so, been building software? So, well, but, but I'm just, I'm just, but I'm just, I'm just saying. So, so defend it with that. But, but I think it's fair to, I think it's fair for someone to say, get your estimating, you know, act together. You should be able to estimate, and we should be able to respond again, tongue in cheek, a little bit, a little bit, with, you know, yeah, yes, sir, we can do that. You're going to have this piece of software in thirteen and a half, thirteen days, five hours, and twenty two minutes. <laughs> Yes, that's when you'll get it. Why is that so unfair, Josh? Um, <laughs> well, Bob, <laughs> allow me to retort. I, so the argument that I'm making is that you can't really get better at estimation, the activity of estimation, that the way you improve at estimation is by estimating smaller chunks estimating smaller pieces i believe it's easier to estimate something that's smaller versus something that's larger and the way that you improve estimating is you just do it on different bits improve estimation you didn't see the air quotes i was doing when i said that but but that's okay i mean i don't care how you again i'm coming to you as a leader and I'm saying, Josh, I want to know how long it's going to take. So you estimate what it's... I'm, please don't do it and then tell me how long it took you. Please look ahead. You are an engineer and your team are engineers. You, 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 know, you are scientists. You are building... You just happen to be building software, not bridges. If you want to break it up into chunks, go for it. If that improves your accuracy, go for it. But I expect an accurate estimate from you. Damn it, I hired you as a professional. <laughs> right? Damn. Wow. Darn it. Whoa. God. No, no, but I mean, it, it, it is an engineering discipline, right? So refute that. 
It is. It is an engineering discipline. Because you should refute me because I'm full of crap. We all know that. <laughs> yes, we all know that. Everyone listening out there yes. agrees. I I hear heads nodding in the future when they're listening to this. Uh, yes. Yeah. So your argument and comparison to bridges, we've been building bridges for a lot longer than we've been building software. So I want to get to the rub of why is estimation so hard in software? It is an engineering discipline. I mean, I remember when I went to school, I was taught, and for years afterwards, I pursued as a manager, as an instructor, as a, as a not a coach, but as a software development leader, I, my pursuit was was perfect estimation. I pursued that violently. I was trying, not perfect, but I was trying to improve estimates. I spent 10 years working with my teams trying basically we were producing software but i was hammering on them every day to have what accurate so estimates versus actuals i wanted to narrow that gap between an estimate and an actual so that there was zero variance that was my pursuit now I, unfortunately i never achieved it <laughs> believe it or not i wonder why interesting hmm. point <laughs> really <laughs> stopped me for 10 years of hammering on everyone to get to that and then i discovered something but but it, but again, what did you discover, Bob? <laughs> how, how ugly the turn is here! <laughs> that it was the wrong it was the wrong pursuit. I mean, it, software is comp- I think what you were saying, even breaking it down into smaller chunks, why you do that? One reason to do it. There's not one why, but software is hard. It's complex. But so is building a bridge. No, it's not. This, it's, we have all this experience in it. We have books. I could actually build a bridge if I did enough study. If I did, I, I know, I, I haven't seen these, but I know I can go into a library at NC State in their engineering, right, in, the, in, their, in their mechanical engineering department, and I can probably find, like, load-bearing tables. Right. I, I know they exist, where there are, what, these tables that talk about spans, distance, and, and height, and load-bearing ability, and probably material. Right. Probably materials to use. Right. And, I, and, and based on some requirements, quote-unquote requirements, like the width of the span, the height of the span, and how much freaking weight is going to go on it, plus or minus, uh, I, it, the, something would tell me steel girders of some... But there's so many variables. You've got to get the steel girders. You've got to make sure they don't get interrupted by the shipping, by weather. FedEx goes on strike. You know, there's you, a few... you get a hurricane. Okay, that's five variables. That's five, that's you just listed five. I'll give you ten. Right. I'll okay. give you fifteen. Okay. They were both mostly environmental. What do I do? I add a week of pad or something to it, and and that handles all of the environmentals. Are they going to? Is someone going to stick stick their thumb in their ear when they're building the steel at the steel plant, trying to decide what an I beam looks like? And the answer is, no. Right. Right. Have we built? How many I beams has the steel plant built? I suspect <laughs> one or two. Yeah. <laughs> what are the variables? Right. The, you know, width, length. <laughs> right. they're, no, they're very and probably type of steel. Right? right. Is it? There's different hardnesses of steel. Probably. You know, is it good? Is it depending on the span length? But that's the variables. Right. There, there's science behind that. Is it now in software? How many variables are there? Uh, time of day, who's working on it, interrupt rate, brain cells, language, operating system, uh, you know, uh, skill skill set of every member of the team and how they interchange, testers, delays, is my hard drive, like you lost what? You lost you lost 45 minutes of work <laughs> by hitting the wrong key. Right? Yes, I For, did. 45, I'm not picking on you. 45 yeah. minutes, you didn't anticipate 40, and that's one micro variable. I just think software is harder. Argue back now. Play devil's advocate back. That's I think why it, I argue that all that you can come with the, with those same variables, right? You hire a construction company and they have hired a bunch of college grads and they've never built a bridge before, so it's their first time through. They're going to make more mistakes. It, illnesses. Your truck breaks down. Your crane breaks down. You snap a cable. You do whatever. I think it's all that. All those same variables are there. It's a new soil type you've never worked in. You know, the the earth shifted. There's who knows, right? I think. I'm, see, I'm going to disagree with you. I think those, even those newbies, those fresh bridge, you're not going to hire bread makers. So I would agree with you. If you hire bread makers, 
then you have what variables. But like, we're not going to hire bread makers to make software. Yeah, but they have. But have they worked in the language? Do you know how, how long does it take you? If I said to you, move from C plus plus. I mean, I have I've, I've programmed in C plus plus. Move to .dot net, and I want I want you to build a what an enterprise level trading system in .dot net. Here's here's a hundred requirements, and my clear context is Unix C plus plus. How long is it going to take you to do that, Josh? What are the so we well, the one variable is what environment? Another argument is it? But it's environment. I'm talking right. about complexity. I'm talking about learning curve, and and that's you now. If we have a team of a hundred people who are making that learning curve transition, right, right on on one team or fifty people or twenty people that are making right. Okay, so I get it first time, but the argument is that over time I expect you to get better at estimating, and your actuals are closer to your estimates. Right, that over a five-year span, that group of 100 people, they stay on staff. We do a great job of retaining them. We treat them well. Everything goes peachy. We don't have too many death marches because we got lucky. So we're talking skill set. I still think bridge skill sets narrow quicker and stabilize much quicker than software development skill sets, depending on the technology curve. Plus, the .NET framework is moving. It probably has new updates every, what, 12 to 18 months. The operating systems are changing. I, I agree with you that there's a narrowing on learning curve, so that's part of it. But there I th- is, and I agree with you. But I agree. But I believe that has a relatively small part to play in this argument. I think the largest part okay. are, are the requirements, and actually, your requirements for that bridge are usually pretty locked down. Well, they're, they're, they're going to vary much less. So I would agree with you. I don't know what the size is. If it's a pie chart, I still think skill, competency, having done something before, like a similar application before, so having this common, it's not just the skills, it's not just the, the, the framework, but it's have we done a similar app. The yeah. technical gap, I don't, I don't want to trivialize that. Now in that pie chart, I do think probably if we're if we're splitting it, there's probably a skew to requirement variance, right? Requirement volatility probably outweighs technical what discovery technical right. variance. I, I I think that's right, but it might be like sixty forty, not ninety ten, right? I I, don't, I I think it's more towards ninety ten. Really, I'm not saying it is ninety ten, but I think it's closer to ninety ten than sixty forty. Like I don't think it's even close to fifty fifty, because I. What I believe is I believe in great developers, and I believe in great problem solvers, and that a language is a tool. Now, I understand that having knowledge in the space that you're in, so having built a website versus an enterprise app. So I'm glomming all of it in there, right? I'm, right. I'm, glom- I'm glomming domain experience, not so much functional domain, but technology domain, like websites versus medical, you know, like like... You know, X-ray systems or right. something like that. And so, a technical domain, uh, programming domain, operating okay. system domain, uh, and then just raw experience, right? The raw experience, the raw capability of the team, the, the ability of the team to learn right. new things, to transform. I still think it's higher than ten percent. Uh, uh, yeah. So my, so my ten percent was on just the technology of the tools that you're using to write the code. Okay. But we're, what we're, it's coming back to the Metacast. I mean, what, what are we saying? I was trying to, to do this devil's advocate thing, and I'm saying, you know, we should be able to be highly accurate. And I think we're now I got out of my devil's advocate role. I put my hat on for a little yeah, while. Yeah, and you, I tried to get you to put your hat on, but I, th- I think we're coming to it. Is I think the, 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 the reality is software is not bridge building, software is incredibly hard. What are the factors for that? Technology is a factor. Right. Domain experience. Uh, we're dealing with people, and the knowledge is very... Is, and bridges are dealing with people, but the, the knowledge variance really affects the ability to nail dates, right. if you will. And then you brought up this other thing, this external factor, which is what requirements. People changing their mind. People not knowing what they want. Well, people changing their mind and the business changing, the world changing. Uh, like you said, the .NET framework you know, version 5.0 comes out halfway through your project, and do you now, make what do you the, do? Right? right, what do you do? Do you make that switch? Now you should have seen that coming. They have a lot of information. There's so much complexity. Right. I mean, I don't know about you, but APIs for me, I used to be able to grok APIs. 
like Unix APIs, I used to be able to keep up with them. Right. I, I don't even know if I could keep up with like .NET Framework APIs from a UI and a backend perspective. Do you know, I mean, the number of yeah. calls, it's just the sheer, the complexity of the frameworks is increasing over time. That's why you have area specialists. Right. But, and I, one so, thing that I want to make sure that we're not saying, we're not saying that we can't estimate ever. One one thing that I believe in is that there comes a point when you have a reasonable estimate because you have enough knowledge about the work and you know you're going to do right. it and it's not going to change. But there's this fog of uncertainty. Well, did you ever see the cone? Yeah. I, I mean, the cone of uncertainty. I, I was talking to a client the other day, and they were they were asking me about you know I get the you get these questions all the time. Of in our environment, agile sounds nice, Bob, but in our environment, we get asked for dates right at the beginning. Right. And I'm like, you know, well, what do you do now? Forget Agile. What do you do? And I said, typically, I'll put the emphasis on me. I said, I, I would lie. I would, I would, if you, if you put a gun to my head, so you give me an idea, but you give me no time to explore it, right. and, and there's, what, 10,000 variables, then I have no choice. So when I know the least, I will what? I will guess. Lie is too right. strong. I guess. And I pad right. for the uncertainty, right? Right. Uh, and I... Yeah, the reason that I say fog is because to me it's like a fog. The stuff that's closest, you have a relatively clear picture, but the further away it gets, the yep. foggier it gets, and you you just don't know. Yep. And it's not that you don't know, it's that it's not worth knowing. It's not worth investigating all that time to know your entire backlog at the level of the things that you're going to work on next, because... Beyond your top 10 items, the likelihood that everything in that bottom 90 or bottom 1,000 are going to change is insanely high. So it's not worth going through that same exercise right? to me. And I believe Agile says the same thing. Even Agile Bob sometimes says things like that. No, no, but I mean release. But there's high level. I mean, I still think in, in Agile, there's high level release planning, which says go through your backlog at a high level. Estimate things and points at a high level. Right. So you can have have this view of do 100. What do I commit to in a quarter? Uh, so do, do very quick high level estimates with your team and come up with, no, it's not 80. It's around 50 plus or minus 5. Right. Based on our historical capacity, right. right? But but you've looked at the eighty in order to determine it's not eighty, it's fifty. So right, it's and knowing that you have that with some relative walk into your fog of uncertainty, right? Right, you aren't. It's not right in front of your face. You're a few feet down, and things are a little uncertain at that point. And yeah. understanding that everybody in that conversation understands where where you are in that cloud of fog. Well, you've and we we've talked about it. We use those terms like you wanted 80, the ask was 80. The reality is what 50 plus or minus what 5 based on the analysis that we've done. Now, if you asked us, "Oh, you know, where do you have the most clarity?" Probably the highest priority 5 or 10. We've looked at, you know, we have a, a clear understanding of those things. Right. But to your point of, you know, you get more clarity over time. I mean, that's that agile release planning, drill in, implementing the cone of uncertainty. The other thing that we want is runway. Before we make a blood oath commitment to, a lot of times folks want, this is my client the other day, was like we were asked to estimate when we know the least and we're asked to estimate right away. Right. Right. Now, give me your, give me your estimate right now. And, and I want accuracy. It's that blood oath. Well, that's that's nearly impossible to do. That's why folks like throw. That's why people pad, right. if you will, because then you're 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 guessing and you're padding to give yourself some wiggle room, etc. So, how do you feel about an eighteen month roadmap? I like an eighteen month roadmap. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> So you mentioned that you have these hats that you would put on and off. What what hat were you wearing when you said that you like an eighteen month roadmap? I don't know what hat. <laughs> you know, well, that's that's to find it. I mean, I, I, and I wasn't actually being I wasn't being tongue in cheek there, or I wasn't being. It's so so. I think most organizations need a twelve to eighteen month. Should I think you guys here should probably have a 12 to 18 month vision of where you're going. That's you, your CEO, maybe your chief product owner or something right. like that. Maybe you engage some of your engineers, particularly if they want to leave the company, 
because they don't know where they're going. You're like, Psh, come here, let me show you where we're going. Right. So you have this 12 to 18 month view of what, I'll use agile terms, of epics that are sliced into quarters that gives someone a view of how exciting it's going to be here. Like, let's say you have investors, potentially, let's hypothetically say you have investors. Right. <laughs> and you want, or you want to, you know, you want to go out for more funding. They're going to ask that question. Where are you going? What is the potential for this, this business? What is the, so I think you do that at an incredibly high level. I think it's fair game to slice it into like quarters. I'll use quarters to do quarter, quarter based arithmetic. So what are we saying for an 18 month roadmap? That's what, six quarters? Uh, so it's six. So do 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 a timeline and, and you know do swim lanes for for six quarters of work at an epic level. Maybe at what three or four epics per quarter. Three right. packages of features. I think that's fair. Now what what are we what are we guaranteeing is another question. Are we guaranteeing that each one of those features or those large scale features or those epics are going to be delivered? I would say no. I would say, if you ask me, what's my guarantee, Bob? What is your view? I'd say, I can explode the current release we've planned. Right. And we've committed to five things plus or minus one. Mm -hmm. Right. Anything beyond that, we haven't, you know, it's, it's a guess based on our capacity to deliver release one. Based on our current runway and our a little bit of history, we're guessing. So I'm not packing these, I'm not packing the quarters, uh, I'm, I'm not gaming anything. I'm packing it to the point of, I, you know, you and your CEO think that you can get that done, but you haven't qualified it with the team. Mm -hmm. So I think that's fair game to, at a leadership level. I think that's visionating. I think that's road mapping. Uh, I think that's, that's good for the business and it's good for the team. I think it's good to share that. You know, is it volatile? Absolutely. I mean, and it's incredibly volatile. If you get a disruptor, if a competitor comes in, I mean, it could be all bets are off. Right. That could you could shuffle, and that to me that's perfectly healthy to shuffle through that. You get acquired, you have competitive competition, you have different investors that have different viewpoints. Your customers shift. You want to get into a new, you want to get into a new, you know, a, a new product domain or product space. That's fair game. Because um, I, I swear, did I answer your question? You did, but that's a much different answer than that I usually give. Than you gave when we talked about this before I lost the Metacast that we're recasting now. I remember you saying, "I don't think we." Have. I won't give roadmaps, or I won't do roadmaps. I won't do detail. No, I think this this discussion of having what having, and this is all we've got, Josh. I mean, I don't I don't think there's stories underneath it. I don't think there's use cases underneath it. I think it's really like five. That's hypothetically say five things per quarter, five epics, five major initiatives. And, and we think our capacity is roughly four to five initiatives per quarter for whatever the team size we have, right. then I think laying that out is fair game. Now, for the, will I commit to those dates? No. And if you want me to commit to the Q1 goal, what do I need to do? Well, you got to get all those things, the use cases and the stories. And, 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 and to me, on. I want to get with the team. Right. I want the team to do. Now, you and I use terms like T-shirt sizing. And, and so there's, what, small, medium, and large. And we and the T-shirt sizing is very simplistic to me, high-level, uh, what, uh, planning poker-based estimation. So not detailed. You know, you can use the T-shirt sizing for velocity in your sprints. But you could also do a different sizing in your sprints. But I want t-shirt sizing for this. But I would do the t-shirt sizing for the current release, and I would even lay things out. I would look for my, I would look for dependencies with the team. I would look for uh, I would look for like testing activities that needed things that weren't obviously right. in stories. Part that would be part of release planning. So I would blow out the Q1 thing, and I would work it with the team again, high level. We haven't run a sprint yet. Uh, and then with the team, I'd say, what can we commit to? Is it, you know, can we, these five things, can we deliver these five things in, in our release tempo? And, and then I would commit to that. Okay. All right. So debate me. No, I agree completely. Oh. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. I just was debating because I, in our previous one. Did I say something different from that? You may have contradicted yourself. I don't think so. I think you did, and I have no proof now that I lost that recording, <laughs> which so, really stinks. So is that why you were concerned in the last? Were you concerned about that in the last time? No, I was not concerned about it at all. I, to me, that's just a release planning thing that I want to now. Once we complete a release, and we've said, okay, now now we have an actual, which is what we thought we could do five big honking things, but let's say we delivered four and a half. Do I change? Do I change the roadmap? 
based on... No, I, I you're th- a five plus or minus one. No, no. So no. you hit your goal. No, but I might reevaluate it based on... Right. Unless. My point... Or even if it's more. Let's say we pulled in one. Let's be optimistic. I th- we, we planned the roadmap at five, plus, and I'm communicating plus or minus one, but the point is the team has more capacity or less capacity. Would I go through and ripple ripple the roadmap based on my new understanding of my team's capacity relative to those high-level epics? I would say yes. I don't believe one is a trend. So I have been places where we have one sprint and we get things done faster than we thought. So automatically it goes into juggling how can we squeeze more in. So I would not want to rejuggle our entire roadmap based on one release, assuming that release is relatively short, right? A month or two months or whatever that is. Or even if it's a bigger one. I don't want to automatically adjust based on that I'm not automatically, but let me. But I want you to think, Josh. I want you to go and look at the roadmap, and if there's an outlier up there, let's just hypothetically say, right? You you you, you work with your team, and there's an oh my, or there's an oh shit that happens, and you're like, you know what? That's that epic in in Q3 is is not going to fit right. with the other work, and what, so it's, it's just glaringly obvious based on what you did in R1. R three, so you have to make you know that you have to make a shift. I would make that shift, even on that sample. It's and I wouldn't shift everything, but I'm right. saying, but there's a related discovery. Let's say it's something with a database. You did some Oracle implementation right. in R one. You were do it in R three, and you have a discovery moment that says what I thought would fit in there is now five times bigger than it was, or five times smaller than it. Right. Than so it. I so I agree that you're going to have lessons learned in that release that are going to help you have a better understanding of what you're estimating. Of your roadmap. Right. But... You wouldn't shift the roadmap. I... So, that's a different question than what you asked, or what I was answering. What I was answering is, we said we get five done, we got six done, so that means I'm going to automatically make it six for the remaining quarters. Okay, you don't like that. I don't like that based on a single point of data. I agree. I 100% agree with you. Right. So I would not automatically go and just make it six across the board. Is it completely valid to take the lessons learned in that release and make adjustments to similar items where you can apply that knowledge and have a clear understanding of what they are. Yes. That's what I, that's all yeah. I know. Okay. Right. So it's I was, not I thought arith- you went a different not direction. Not an arithmetic shift. Yeah. I, I actually, you know what? I never like an arithmetic shift. You got to think. I, and I would bounce it off right. the team. But it, so even if you had three sample points, I wouldn't want an arithmetic shift on your, you know, just an artificial, you know, sort of shifting of points. But I, it's, but so... What happens if your team becomes one of the mythical hyper-productive teams over six months, right? And and they've been consistently hitting 200 points instead of 150 points. So you can do that in your assumption. I, I my, my argument is thinking. Right. I want velocity. Yeah, it's not just it's not a spreadsheet. A spreadsheet that's what I'm saying. It's a, out, yeah, this is your that, velocity. That's what I'm yeah. arguing. Even yeah. if. Even if it is, we get to a hyper-productive state where our assumption of five thingies per quarter turns to ten thingies per quarter, and it's consistently ten. I'd still want to say, okay, our baseline is ten. Now, boys and girls, let's think about right. Let's let's think about this on a release by release basis or a quarterly by quarterly basis. I feel like we we've taken a real big turn from the metacast that we lost. And, and it's the same Don't say pre- that. It hurts. It but, hurts But you the, say that. No, no, no. But the premise, are we covering estimation? I don't feel like we are. We're sort of, we're coming at it from a release perspective, but come yeah. back to the value of estimates. That, that maybe is a point. Uh, what do you, so the value proposition of estimation is sort of an entry thing. Let's, let's talk about that. What do you think the value proposition of estimation is? How much estimation is good, and where does it lose its value? I think as little as possible, quite honestly, just because you have to walk into it knowing they're wrong. Um, and not and that's where I get back to my argument of, can you really get better at it? And I don't really, you can get, I don't think you can get better at it. You can get better at at breaking it down and being able to estimate and knowing what you're estimating, but I don't think you actually get better at estimating. Um, 
What was the other part of the question? Oh, you're hitting the part of it. What's okay. what's valuable and where where is it valuable and where it's not? I think it's directional, right? Ah, I like that term. So I think if you treat estimates as directional, I think you have them in the right place and understanding this is where we're going. This is where we're at. This is where it fits in. We need more information to be completely accurate, but understanding that that they're helping you make sure you're pointing in the right direction. So you've been doing this. We were talking before the Metacast. You've been leading for ten years, a decade, a decade, a decade. <laughs> so you've been doing <laughs> that. Sounds so long, right? Is that so white long. hair? Are it, you is, losing, it is. It is. If you, you ask you my losing, daughter, are you losing hair and getting gray? I think you may be getting gray. Up I there. am doing both. I'm losing and graying. <laughs> what is there is gray. Yeah, that's a decade of leadership. <laughs> So over that time, what what has been your trend for estimation? So clearly, ten years ago, you were doing probably doing things differently. So, I was raised in so waterfall. That, so what is that trend? So in waterfall, I want to use that trend. I want to use that sort of that gradient. Yeah. So in waterfall, estimates are incredible. It was important. like the lifeblood of everything, and right. every, and and I mentioned, you know, having things auto adjust, and I can remember having Microsoft project plans. <laughs> That based on their performance of that week, we would go and juggle allocations through the rest of the 12-month project. And the amount of time that was spent on managing that was insane. And I can remember our COO asked, is, is the juice worth the squeeze? Right, because we were working, which is one of my favorite things. One of my favorite things that have ever been said. Right, that's like like my team gets sick of hearing me say that. But yeah. asking the question of is it really worth all this effort to try and maintain this project plan and the effort to get all the estimates right and to get those estimates right, all the documentation that has to be done. Well, to the analysis out. to narrow the estimates to get estimates aligning with actu- actuals right. aligning with the estimates, which says we had good estimates. Right. That's the definition of a good estimate is the actual, the estimate is equal to, I'm not trying to be stuck on est- on definitions, but the, you know, I estimate two days and I deliver it in two days right. and, and we all go, wow, great. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Right. Right. Next one, I estimated, you know, two hours. It came in in two hours and one minute. Great. We're really close. Well, you multiply that times a project plan. Right. And, and it's, it's so it's that narrow. And then you have that project plan that's locked and loaded, and then the world changes. You know, you get acquired. You have a new competitor. Well, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. We've, we've spent how many days, hours, weeks, person time to do that, and then every day discovery happens, mm-hmm. which makes adjustments. I, I once joined a company uh, when I moved down here. The first company I, I joined when I moved to, uh, to Raleigh, um, I joined a team doing uh, real-time systems uh, at Bell and Howe. Bell and Howe they had real-time back then? They, they did. And I, so, so the way I had you know, a team of 50-plus, 50, 50, 60 people, and there were n number of projects, maybe 15 projects going on, in my infinite wisdom, I said, I'm going to use, and it was chaotic, and it was a new job. And my job was, one, was try to manage. It was very chaotic. But it's like, go in there and get some control. In my infinite wisdom, I fired up Microsoft Project Server, and I tried to capture everything in project on a daily right. basis. At, at one point, after like three months, it was taking me seven hours of a day to update my... And I'm not exactly... This is reality. I've been there. It was taking me eight... So almost an entire... Almost my whole day, or an eight-hour day, to update the plans project to be the reality. Finally, it hit me in the face that I said, it's, I'm not leading. I'm not, right? It's all I'm right. doing is, is updating a real-time snapshot of something that's changing and changing. So I'm not managing what? Change. I'm not managing risk. I'm not managing the evolution. I'm not managing customer expectations. I'm managing what? The plan. Right. The estimates. Yeah. And that's ultimately the question. Where's the value? Right. That's what we talked about the other day. So is the value the estimates? And I'd, I'd say no. we're discovering, you and I, our path, I hope most folks' path are discovering that there is little value in estimation or, or smaller and smaller value in estimation over time, it, particularly depending on the complexity right. and, and the variability. So where is the value? Focus on the execution dynamics. Focus on leadership. Focus on keeping your eye on the ball, whatever right. that means, right? So that's in general the trend. Agile is amplifying that trend. Um, we're not saying don't estimate anything, I don't think. Correct. Right? We are not. I mean, we talked about... T-shirts. T-shirt sizing, story points. Forecasting all out, mm-hmm. having some vision outward to some degree. 
but I, 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 I know for me, even, even in Agile, I'm changing. So uh, what was it, Fibonacci to T-shirt mm-hmm. sizing. I rarely use, if, if, if I have my druthers today, so five years ago, I was a planning poker, modified Fibonacci kind of guy. Uh, so how many how many units is that? That gives you what ten like ten, mm-hmm. ten or twelve different options when you're doing planning poker. Different cards to throw. I now like three cards yeah. and keeping it simple. So even in agile, I'm gravitating towards even there. To me, like what is the value proposition of eight versus five? What thirteen versus eight versus five? You know, and how much discussion is it going to take? An argument right. to get around that. Versus, is it that would it be maybe be the equivalent of a large, right? And so, and, and we can just have that discussion and move on. We do both. So our our epics have T-shirt sizes, and then the stories themselves have story points that are Fibonacci up. So you get that granularity. And is there a, is there a relationship between like no. Fibonacci and the T-shirts at all? Like a large would no, be a third? and I don't want there to be. Okay. I don't want there to be. So you're planning poker, is, so you're using t-shirt sizing for roadmaps, mm-hmm. that high level. So it's really, truly roadmapping. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and forecasting at a roadmap level. And right. then anything, when you blow into a release, when you do release planning, I'm just trying to clarify, you would do Fibonacci at release. When you start drilling into the stories. Yes, correct. You're using Fibonacci. I think that's for, I've seen that as well. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I, I actually, I don't care. I mean, if a team does it, I don't tell them to stop. Right. But I don't, I'm like, I, I think to myself, you're in the weeds a little bit too much, mm-hmm. right? And and you would get the same results if you stepped up and just did t-shirt sizing, roughly, right. at, at a team level. I, I won't make them not do it, but I'm like, I, I care, the best way I can say it is I care less and less over time about estimation. Right. It is a means to an end, but it's like, that's, you know, it's like, it's like 10% estimation. Yeah, just, just the return on trying to get an estimate right is not there at all so now what what can happen is there are some people i've seen places that well we're not going to estimate so we don't have to do the requirements to figure it out so they just start coding right Right. we're not saying that we're saying you still need to figure out what you're building before you start and figure that out but the but the value of trying to get the estimates just don't don't add value okay high level estimates um the other thing is is it where's the value in estimation and you know that from what agile i think is teaching us is the value of the estimation, I'd love to hear your response to this, is, so is it the number or is it the conversation? Oh, it's a conversation. Yeah, and I see folks argue about five versus eight, and they start questioning, you know, their their lineage, your, you know, your dad. Yeah. <laughs> your dad. <laughs> no, but it's all the little discoveries when, when, when someone says it's an eight and someone says it's a three, and you say, okay, Joe, why is it an eight? And Jimmy, why is it a three? And they talk about that, and... Somebody or both of them go. Oh, yeah. So, Didn't so think about that. So we used to. I used to do estimation. I'd ask people to estimate. They'd fill out freaking cards or parts of spreadsheets or parts of projects, and they'd hand them to me as a manager. Yeah. There was no conversation from anyone to anyone. It was just guesses. What What do you think the the level of of consistency was from person <laughs> across twenty five people? There was no consistency, no right. conversation, no risk discussions at all. But I got numbers right, and they would stand behind their numbers, and then I would add them up. But here, with the planning poker, and the numbers are valuable, don't get me wrong, but but if I look at it, it's like five times more valuable is the conversations that the team has right. around the number, right? right? So even the t-shirt sizes or whatever you're doing, it's don't get full of yourself about, oh, I've got an eight. It's a, it's a, it's a what? It's a blood oath commitment. No, the blood oath, the real value of discussing and, and converging was the stuff that you talked about, right? Mm-hmm. That may come back later to help you with a risk or something. Yep. I'm trying to think of, did we miss anything the other day? I think this last part of the, the discussion covered some of the stuff we were doing the right. other day. Right, once you reined yourself back in and got back on topic. I know I got us off track. I don't. I apologize. <laughs> I, I do. Metacasters, I apologize. So if we could wrap this up in a nutshell, you're good at this. I'm not. I am? I'm, I th- you're ten times better at, oh. at wrapping stuff up. Wow. Because I'm wordy, and you're not. You're, you're, you're pithy and on point, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like a jabbering beast sometimes. I, I I know. So get us back. Pithy, pithy Josh. <laughs> Give us the cliff notes for this. So so the cliff notes are, to summarize Bob's jabbering, using, <laughs> using his terms, <laughs> are 
That was close. I almost, I almost had him there. Yes. Everyone, I wish you could have seen that. Um, is that that estimates are are a tool to help drive the communication that needs to happen to get your team pointed in the right direction. The so term that's a, that's a good one. Directional is what they are. They are not blood oaths. They are directional for your team to make sure you're going in the right direction. You don't overstack your sprints or your releases. They are points of information. They are not the only points of information that matter. Remember the cone? The cone, the fog. The fog. So however you it, it gets so don't worry about to the to the far flung future right. too much. So the cone of uncertainty is a really useful sort of tool. Uh, you talked about two levels of planning here. Right. I think that's a really good piece of advice. You can have the same units in each one. It doesn't matter. But you're doing two levels of you're doing I, two levels of planning here. Here's why I have them distinctly different, because I am deathly afraid of executive math. Right. So when they yeah. are the same units, it's very simple that's for a good, that's a good reason for executive math to happen and yeah. start to come up with estimates for you in yeah. place of you and start putting things in line before it does draw that line yeah. between between not it's it's high level and low but it draws yeah. a distinct line between what the team is doing we need the team to estimate this before we commit right so okay. that's why i have them as two separate units to discourage that behavior which everywhere i've been has happened and everywhere i will go it will happen you know people are trying to come up with an understanding of how things are going to go and that's fair and they should um but it leads to bad habits and potentially or poor decisions, misinformed decisions, I guess is the appropriate wording. They just don't have all the information. And having the two levels of units draws a distinct line, and we don't have enough information to get to that level of detail to give you a better idea. I think we did a better job this time, and we sort of bounced into it. How do we communicate to executives? I think it is fair. We talked about this the last time. It is fair for someone to come to you and say, Josh... You know, I, I need some I need some insights into what we're going to get in Q1, Q2, Q3. Right. Right. So, what does that conversation look like? How do you communicate that to me? And and you can't you can't waffle too much, Josh. You can't. So I'll know it when we get there is not good enough. Right. right? We I, we I have funding. I have three investors out there that we need to talk to. Right. So so we so so we have a project leaderboard. Actually, we call it the chart of destiny. Right, so this is this is what's going to determine who we are as a the company. The chart of destiny. The chart of destiny, correct. And it started from a concept of a project leaderboard of getting ranked of these are the top ten things, and we're only going to worry about the top ten things. Right? Yeah, we have one hundred fifty thousand things we want to do. That's great, but let's focus on the top ten because those top ten are really what matters. So what I try and do is make sure we have a weekly meeting to go over this. Is that we look at the project leaderboard and those top ten items, and we make sure. They are in the appropriate priority, and we have T-shirt sizings for, for each of those. So, so we we use those to loosely plan a roadmap, just like you mentioned, of over quarters. This is where we think things are going to land based on what we know now. Well, so when I want a commitment, Josh, of so what what does that language look like? You have to tell me, and maybe you can say no. I can't. Yeah, it's just like you said that I can give you a a commitment for on, which ones. For this quarter, okay, and then I give you a little bit less commitment. So if you can fit three items on the on the board of the desk, whatever the chart of destiny, the chart of destiny. If you feel with the team that you can hit three of those things in Q one R one, you will commit to that. Yeah. Okay. If we have all the information to say that, yes. Okay. Yeah. And then beyond that. Beyond that, it gets more foggy. It's that fog. Okay. Further away you you get from now. Once you deliver R one Q one. You will go and do another. We will have the next things queued up, so we're and then you can commit to me then. So, so it's really you can only commit to with a little word to what the Q one the next release. Okay, but that's the language we would use. Mm -hmm. Even in Q one, would you guarantee me? I want to. I want to hear your language. No. Would you guarantee me those three things? No, I cannot guarantee because I can't guarantee that these are still going to be the most important things now as they are in the next. At the end of the quarter. Well, that's external change, but there's even internal change where someone could say, oh, crap, we yeah. missed all of this stuff. Right. So that's where the, I like the plus or minus or the talking about uncertainty or something. We need some runway after sprint N. 
we can we can sort of lock and load. Mm-hmm. And, and even to me, it's the ranges. One of the things I learned in historical estimation, and people, a lot of leaders reject it or they try to ignore it, but I like making commitments in ranges, and Agile tries to do that a lot, right? It's like, I can commit to the number one. We can probably guarantee in blood delivering the number one thing in Q1. Right. What's what's variable is maybe the number three thing. We right. don't we don't know, right? We can highest value, yes. Right. Uh, well but, and that's why what I've done to to offset the 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 issues that folks have with that is have a quick release cycle. So okay, it's not in, but it'll be in in thirty days. Right, and then the that's next a, thirty that's days. That's an next days. Actually, that's an excellent point. Of your release cycle matters a lot in some of these discussions, right? Yeah. It absolutely matters. Yeah, a lot. because if you have, like, if you can guarantee that that item that slipped out. So if you were planning to get three in this release, but you only got two. That item number three that slipped is at the top of the list now. Yeah. So you're pretty darn sure it's going to well, be the next month release. cycle time very different from quarterly. Right. And a lot of folks are in quarterly or six month releases or three times a year. Right. There's a much there's much more weight there. So so that that's a factor as well. So bring so release cycles are part of the discussion with leadership. Maybe mm-hmm. narrowing them ranges I think are part of it. Like you know five plus or minus two. Right. Uh, and you really listen to me. It is five. It is not five. It is five plus or minus two. Which says three, right, or seven, right? And and every sprint we will narrow that down and and let you know what's 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 changing, what right. the dynamics are. Uh, cliff notes. What did we miss? And and maybe keep simplifying. Put put less. Maybe a final point would be less emphasis on estimates, more emphasis on what execution, mm-hmm. delivery, and real real exit, real knowing, real data. So on actuals, another way of saying estimates. Matters. I don't so, even mess with actuals. But actuals are the point. To me, actuals are the where the rubber meets the road. Actuals are this term that you use in project management ease. But to me, the actual is that's how long it took. Right. The estimate was irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> how long? Right. That was a guess. The actual is what? How long? That's your velocity. How yeah. long it took. So pay attention to velocity. Cool. And don't. Don't panic one way or the other when you have one release or one so sprint you made data that is good or bad. That's a good guideline as well on the on the list of and I wasn't going there, but you 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 brought it up and you're right. It's we you don't want to overreact. I was writing this this morning and I'm working on a, another book or a chapter, mm-hmm. and I was talking about not overreacting on single data points, any single data point, right? Like even something that comes up in a retrospective, any data point in Agile, because you're gonna get what one of the, the dynamics of Agile teams is you get a lot of data points, right? And if you start like overreacting to data points, you're gonna go crazy, right? So you want to sort of aggregate, you want to be patient and calm and you want to learn and you want to look for patterns. Mm-hmm. Cool. Agreed. Feel good about this Metacast, Josh? I do. It was beefier than it was last time. Do you think so? Oh, yeah. Okay. Beefy. I don't know about beefy. <laughs> oh, my God. So, let's wrap this sucker up. Stick a fork in it. I feel good about it. So, how, so how do folks get a hold of us, Josh? They get a hold of us on Twitter at Menai what? what is that? Twitter, is that, I know is that it's like a not, new phone don't company? start the smoke signal analogy that you used 35 times. <laughs> it was only 12. <laughs> go, I'm sorry, go ahead. I interrupted him. What else is new? <laughs> so, you can find us on Twitter, Meta-Cast, all spelled out. Our website, Meta-Cast, with the actual hyphen. We're on SoundCloud now. Find us there. We're on iTunes. We are everywhere. Facebook, you name it, we're there. Oh. Search for us. Find us. We're there. We want feedback. We want comments. We want questions. We want notes. You name it. We nail want us. It. Nail us to the yeah. wall. Nail, not not us, Josh. Nail Josh to the wall. Bring it on. Disagree I with will him. bring Bob yeah. down with me. Yes. <laughs> we'll go down together. We're a team. So uh, I want to thank you guys. So give us your feedback. Uh, tell us what you like, don't like. Um, we're, we're open to all kinds of feedback. Who's? Have you looked at our? Where, where are we listened to the last time we were listened to most in Germany? Germany. Yeah. So I wonder if that's still the truth. So for for you Germans out there, thank you for listening. Thank yes. you for hanging on our every, our every word. I only speak Spanish. Otherwise, I'd say thank you. Uh, I, I can't. I Gesundheit or something. I, doesn't I, yeah, work. it doesn't work. I, I doesn't. No. I, I, I won't even insult the folks. We draw. Is it Dankeschön? I, yeah, is it? It might is be. It? Yeah, okay. whatever it is. Thank you. Let us know if that's thank right. Thank you, folks in Europe. Thank you for thank <laughs> you for folks outside. Of, sometimes we think of just being in the U.S., yeah. but we th- we thank our international listeners a lot. Yes. 
So any request whatsoever, a repeat of something. I was listening to a Metacast the other day, and uh, I don't know if we did so well. So if you what? I, I know. I was. I was, and I was disagreeing with ourselves. I was disagreeing Ooh, with myself. Okay, that's an ugly picture. Man, that is. So give us your it's feedback. A so from beautiful downtown Raleigh, North Carolina, we want to sign out. So shake. Wait, who are you? I'm Bob Galen. Oh, and I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. Hey, and bake. Take care, y'all. Y'all.